0: Welcome into NBA Sound System, Carlin Gay alongside Kyle Irving, just us two, just the two of us, two-man game, whatever you want to call it, we are set and locked in to talk and whip you around the NBA. Of course, you know we have to talk about Russell Westbrook's return to Oklahoma City, how emotional that night was for him. The battle in the Eastern Conference just got a little bit weirder with Joel Embiid missing time, so we'll touch on that. And... We will definitely, well, we'll start with it, actually. We'll definitely talk about Kevin Durant and Kendrick Perkins, the fight that will be on The Zone sometime in 2020. Get your subscriptions now. Um, Let's start there. That's what everyone's talking about around the league. No one's talking about what's happening on the court. Everyone's talking about what's off the court. And uh, it, 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 it took a wild timeline for Kevin Durant on the timeline, so to speak. He started off way before the uh, the issue with with Perk. He started off going at uh, a radio host in New York who said who tweeted out and said, "quote that's Brandon Tierney, he actually works for CBS Sports uh, radio. CBS Sports radio host. I think he has a uh, radio show with Tiki Barber as well. Uh, Nets win seven straight, no one cares. Nets lose seven straight, no one cares. Speaks volumes." To which Katie actually went out of his way to reply what does it say and that star- that started a whole back and forth with Kevin Durant with not only Brandon Tierney but with guys who uh have an egg avatar he was going back and forth with everybody uh, calling everybody out but it, initially uh Brandon Tierney was kind of calling out Kevin Durant saying that he should have signed with the Knicks instead of signing with the Nets because now he's with the lesser than team in New York Kevin Durant obviously we know probably one of the most sensitive athletes uh, great athletes of all time uh, came out and then you know attacked Tierney first of all before we get to Perk what do you think about Katie responding to the Nets slander I just think
1: that once Kevin Durant loads up Twitter anybody can get the smoke he's <laughs> just he comes in guns blazing and seriously it doesn't matter if you have an egg avatar it doesn't matter if you have a million followers it doesn't right. matter if you have you know one follower right uh, if you're coming at him you're getting the smoke right back and um, I mean to, to bring Tierney's point I you know Right now, that's the case. The Nets lose seven in a row, no one cares. The Nets win seven in a row, no one cares. But, I mean, you got to think about the players that are on the floor. This is no disrespect to Spencer Dinwiddie and Joe Harris, DeAndre Jordan, Jared Allen, those guys. But nobody cares because Kyrie's not playing. Nobody cares because Kevin Durant's not playing. If Kyrie's on the floor, they care about... You know a seven game losing streak people are going to talk about that if he's on the floor and they win people are going to talk about it especially if Kyrie and KD are both on the floor it's going to be something to talk about so right. his point was just wrong his point was off in the in the first place and I think you know should Kevin Durant have came out and replied to him probably not but we've seen him do this a million times before and I'm not all that surprised that this is you know what sparked this whole situation
0: here. I have no problem with actually Kevin Durant coming out and replying because he he kind of was challenging Brandon uh, basically saying what you said, you know, if the if you know, KD and Kyrie are playing for this team, they're going to be talked about. Those are two of the most, you know, electrifying stars that we have in the NBA. Two of your top fifteen players overall in the NBA, and Kevin Durant being when he's healthy, he's probably you know third best at worst in the entire league. So, uh, you know, it, whether he, or not he was you know going to sign with the Brooklyn or New York, wherever he goes, he could have been playing in Phoenix. The, we would be talking about. The team that Kevin Durant's on because he's just that good of a player and he's a future Hall of Famer. So uh, I agree with him going after Tierney the way he did. But the reasons why he went after him, I, I'm confused by. Is this Kevin Durant trying to protect the Brooklyn Nets brand or is this Kevin Durant taking offense because someone called out a team that he's actually on? I think that I almost think that Kevin Durant took this personally
1: more yeah. than it's defending the Brooklyn Nets. It just seems like it. The way that he replies, it seems like it was a personal attack. Um, I mean, which, you know, it is his team. There's nothing wrong with taking it personally. Uh, I think, you know, it makes it a little unique because he hasn't stepped on the floor yet, but he's out there sticking up for his teammates as well. Even if that's not actually what he's doing, that's what it looks like he's doing. Um, I have no problem with it either. Like I said, I think Brandon Tierney was wrong in the first place. Uh, I I think that people will care about the Nets. They don't care about the Nets right now, but I think they will care about the Nets in the very near future once, you know, even once Kyrie returns to the floor and then once Kyrie and KD are both on the floor, like you just said, they're two of the top players in the league, two of the most entertaining players in the league, especially when it comes to their personality and the things that they say in the media. That team is going to be covered all year long next year and for
0: the rest of the season this year once Kyrie returns. No question. Kevin Durant basically said, uh, when Brandon theory put this out, Kevin Durant said, you know what, doesn't matter where I'm at, you're going to watch anyway Brandon Tierney responded, nothing but respect for your game. This is a quote, nothing but respect for your game. But the reality is simple. The Mecca had your name all over it, and you passed up the shot. I'm from BK. It's in my blood. But NYC is all about the Knicks and always will be. And then he went out of his way to bring in Carmelo Anthony's name into this. Brandon Tierney said, at at least Carmelo Anthony, and tagged him in a tweet, got in the batter's box, and took a swing. Direct shot at KD, and... We obviously know how touchy he is about joining certain teams and championship legacy, which we'll get to in a second. That was a hard shot to take, saying that, you know, he, you're not even the same league as Melo. That's that's an all-time bad take on his part, too. think so?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I do give him credit. I give <laughs> All-time bad take. It, no, it is, though. It is. It really is. I give Melo, like, I the the whole Melo part, at least Melo stepped up to the plate and took a swing. I give him the credit there, because right. that is true. He did step up to the plate. He did take a swing. Right. But if you're Kevin Durant, you can't fault him for this move to the Nets. The Knicks have done nothing to prove that they're going to be transitioning to a winning basketball team sure. anytime in the near future, even if they add a top three player in the entire league. Right. So it's not that Kevin Durant was just doing this because you know he was avoiding the bright lights of Madison Square Garden. He was doing this because it's the better move for his career. The Nets were further along. They have better pieces. They've already proved to be a winning team in the past you know, couple of years compared to the Knicks, who have done nothing but lose for the past couple of seasons. I I think it's more so that he thought this was a better move for his career. This is a team that had a better chance of winning faster than the Knicks did. I don't think it's about avoiding the bright lights.
0: Yeah, I I don't mind the take by tyranny. I mean, he's doing what he's done. And I I probably, if I had a radio show, national radio show, I'd do the same thing in his position, try to get some little buzz. You know, Uh, not many people knew who he was before this. Now, he was the talk of the town until... Later that night, when Kendrick Perkins innocently tweeted that he was going on SportsCenter to discuss why he believes Russell Westbrook was the best player to put on an Oklahoma City Thunder jersey, he is, quote by Mr. Perkins, Mr. Thunder. Now, those of you know that Kendrick Perkins spent some time in Oklahoma City. He played with both Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. He was on those teams. Uh, He he got his chance to see both of them there. And, uh, you know, a, a guy that you're familiar with. A Boston writer (laughs) uh, came out and said that, you know, Westbrook may have the best overall career with the organization, but he's not the best player to ever put on the jersey and called Perkins out. Perkins said, Okay, Kevin left the door open for Russell Westbrook to walk right in, which he did. And, you know, uh, Mark D'Amico went back and forth with Kendrick Perkins. Ultimately, it led to Kevin Durant seeing this on Twitter and taking a shot at Kendrick Perkins saying that, uh, and this is a quote from KD. Yeah, you are starting center. At Kendrick Perkins, averaged a whopping two and three during the series that they eventually lost in uh, in the second round. You played hard though, champ. LOL. A little bit of uh, shade there from KD. Perk, not one to back down. You know, facts on the average, and facts on the champ part two. As Kevin, Dur- or as uh, Kendrick Perkins, letting Kevin Durant know that he is indeed. A champion with your Boston Celtics. And didn't stop there. He actually (laughs) came back at him and really got personal, letting Kevin Durant know that he pulled the weakest move in NBA history by joining the Golden State Warriors after they were up 3-1 against them in the Western Conference Finals. They lost to the Golden State Warriors, uh, blowing that 3-1 Conference Finals lead. And that same summer, he joined the 73-win Golden State Warriors and went on to win his two rings. Uh, That's a touchy subject for Kevin Durant. It is, right? It is a touchy subject. I so after
1: after their first initial exchange, and like you said, Perk came back and he said, "You're right about the averages. You're right about the champ part two. Uh, Durant, you know, sent back the classic handshake emoji. It could have all ended there, but Kendrick Perkins has been throwing his name in the news cycle lately, man. He's been getting his name out there, and uh, you know, he came back guns blazing straight at Kevin Durant's neck. That's you know the one sensitive spot. At this point, I think Kevin Durant's heard that, and he, you know, in any argument that he gets himself into, he's ready to take that bullet. He knows that that's coming. I don't think this caught him by surprise by any means. I just think it was more so he's kind of like, why is Kendrick Perkins, (laughs) you know, the one that's like really trying to go at me right now on Twitter? But, you know, Kevin Durant clearly at the time last night, he was going back and forth. Um,
0: I mean, well, he is out for the year, so he's going to have plenty of time. You know, more people can get the smoke if they really want it because he's not going to be on the court anytime soon.
1: Right, exactly. Um, I mean, You know, he like I said, he's taken that bullet a million times. The three, you know, you left OKC, you joined, uh, you lost three one, you joined the 73 and nine Warriors. I I think my take on it is more so just we're kind of past that, right? I mean, Kevin Durant was a vital part of those teams, and yeah, he joined a team that went 73 and nine. But I think you can make the argument that you know who knows how much longer that Warriors dynasty rolls on if Kevin Durant doesn't join that team. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I think the Finals MVP solidifies you know his legacy there. I think that even though it's it was perceived as a weak move, I think that there's a case to be made that he, you know, he made that team what it's going to be viewed as in NBA history. And I'm going to bring up a post that I saw on social media earlier today. Which, which,
0: by the way, that Golden State Warriors team, in my opinion, is the best team of all time.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. I absolutely agree with that. I don't think that there – I mean, there's – you know, I'm not old enough here to go out and say that they were better than the, you know, 95 Bulls because I wasn't alive to watch right. them play. Right. But for the teams that I've seen play, that Warriors team is the best team that we've ever seen on both sides of the ball. million guy or three guys that can score, 30 on any given night. You know, one of the best defensive teams we've ever seen. But
0: before, I was going to... Before we go on, because you, you, you said you're not old enough to remember the, <laughs> the 95 Bulls. It was actually the 72-win Bulls. They, they played uh in uh 96 is 95 96 right yeah, yeah. 95 right. yeah um
1: but back to the perk and kd thing i was going to bring up i saw a post from gilbert arenas who oh, once in a while he's <laughs> oh, he's out go. here just chiming in <laughs> and you know just throwing <laughs> his two cents into everything but i thought he made a pretty good point he was right. just talking about how kevin so he was basically saying the same thing kevin durant that's the bullet that he takes every single time in that yeah okay it's a weak move but at the end of the day, he saw the Oklahoma City Thunder, who had already let James Harden go, mm-hmm. and they had let players walk, and they were clearly not heading in the right direction to keep up with the best team in the Western Conference. Sure. And aside from that, the other best team in the league was the Cavaliers. I mean, there's a reason these teams went to five straight finals against each other. Sure. So he saw the opportunity to either go back to OKC, where they already haven't necessarily committed to winning because they moved. They moved on from James Harden and they're just trusting Westbrook and KD, which had already kind of proved that, you know, even though they fell one win short of going to the conference finals and beyond, it kind of appeared that that wasn't going to work out. Yeah, but wasn't
0: that some, – some of that has to be on KD. I mean, he was the best player on the team. Definitely. He, definitely. You know, he didn't, he didn't bring it in the last four games of that series. They had opportunities to win in a couple of those games, and he just didn't show up in the fourth quarter.
1: Listen, they they were one Klay Thompson outburst away from completely changing Steph everything that's happened in, You're right. in, in the last five years of the NBA. Right. But all in all, he was basically just saying that, you know, Kevin Durant made the best – kind of like I was just talking about the Brooklyn Nets – made the best business decision for his career. He had already – Submitted a resume at 27 years old. This is the point that Gilbert Arenas made mm-hmm. He'd already submitted the resume at 27 years old of a player. That's a hall of famer right. Not many people can say they've done that But rings matter so much in that debate Rings matter so much in every debate that he felt like he had to go to a team and get that Last piece he already had the gold medals He already had the all-stars and the MVPs and the sure. scoring titles and everything like that Sure He felt like he had to go get that last piece that championship ring.
0: Yeah, I'm not gonna knock him for that I mean, I I at the time, was actually a, a supporter of him going to the best team because if I had the option personally, I'd do the same thing. I would go, I would look out for myself, and I'd go and you could call me weak, you call me whatever, but at the end of the day, I'm going to die a champion. That's that's the mentality that Kevin Durant had, and I, I agreed with it. Knock yourself out. If you, if you could go on the best team possible for you as a free agent, so what? Uh, you know, people complain about competitiveness and all that stuff. If he came to your team. You guys would not say a single word. So exactly. twenty nine other franchises, relax. Um, but who do you agree with here? Are you on Kevin Durant's side or Kevin Kendrick Perkins side in the in uh, the debate? Man, I, I like both these guys. I've always been a Perk <laughs> guy. I've always been a KD guy. They go
1: they go back and forth, and you know I think they both make valid points. It's sure. it's just kind of. You know, at one point it just kind of gets personal and, you know, KD's kind of attacking Perk for what he was when he was on the Thunder and how he wasn't
0: contributing. Yeah, per- yeah, don't sleep Perk. on Perk. Perk had, you know, for a <laughs> career average, 5.4 <laughs> points, 5.8 no, no, rebounds. No, 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 don't do that and to Kendrick Perkins. The percent from Perkins. the field
1: for his, for his career. If, if Kendrick Perkins, he could, he could be a two-time <laughs> NBA champion. If the Celtics didn't trade him in 2011, he could have been a two-time NBA champion. <laughs> right. I still hold Je- I still hold that against Jeff Green for costing us Banner eighteen okay. for being tra- for trading for Jeff Green trading Kendrick Perkins away right but Kendrick Perkins has always been a player that does more than what's what shows up in a stat sheet and I think when you look at his career averages it's easy for KD to be like hey you average two and four but you know I mean this <laughs> he even Kevin Durant knows deep down that's not the player that Kendrick Perkins is anyway. I don't know if I can necessarily. I don't want to ride the. I, I don't want to ride the fence here, but I'm going to ride the fence here. I, I don't know if there's a right and a wrong. I don't know if there's a winner and a loser in this argument. They both just kind of ended up making a big deal out
0: of what didn't really have to be a big deal, and now everybody's talking about it. No, it, it was a big deal, and I'm I'm enjoying uh, the beef. I hope it continues. I hope Kendrick Perkins continues to throw pot shots at KD, and KD actually responded to uh, to someone who said you 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 he basically said you're mad that you didn't get a video tribute and that Russ gave the city hope after you lied and took the the easy way out to get your rings and and ken and katie said no basically ken kendrick perkins was taking shots at him for a little while so he wanted to kind of respond and he saw the window to do it and you know went at kendrick perkins so hopefully more to come on this uh you know and like i said you can probably see the fight on the zone i'm sure we'll sign it (laughs) i mean we have a youtubers fight on the zone so why not uh let's move on and talk about The uh, NBA standings, because in the Eastern Conference, there was a huge matchup on Thursday night that saw the Boston Celtics take on the Philadelphia 76ers. I call it the only, the last great rivalry in the NBA. To me, is still Boston and Philly. I know there's LA and, and Boston, and everybody wants to talk about that now that the teams are good again. But even when the teams are bad, it seems like there's still a little bit of bad blood between Boston and Philly. We saw that again last uh, on Thursday night. Uh, the Sixers, we saw them for the first time without Joel Embiid. He's going to be out with the finger issue. He had surgery on the night of the or the day of the game. He's going to be out indefinitely, uh, and that has turned this Sixer team from. Two guys in Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons to try and carry the load to now it's all about Ben Simmons. It's Ben Simmons' team and the Sixers are gonna go as Ben Simmons goes. How do you see the Sixers uh kind of getting themselves uh wrapping their heads around what uh you know what they're gonna look like with Ben Simmons as the go to guy?
1: I think we saw a little bit of that last night Um, right away, right off the bat. I mean, this team is flying up and down the court. They're going to play faster, and Brett Brown said that before the game, that they're going to play faster. That's one of their game plans without him beating the lineup. Um, This is when Simmons is at his best. He's able to fly up and down the court. Utilizes playmaking abilities to the fullest. Um, we saw Josh Richardson come out and take, I think, like eight or nine shots in the first five minutes of the game. I think he thought he was Kobe, but he finished with a game high twenty-nine points. And you know, I think that he's someone that could be a beneficiary of Joel Embiid being out of the lineup because there is more shots available. And even though Ben Simmons is going to get a couple more of those shots, you know that he's not going to go out there himself and take all of those shots that uh, that come away from Embiid. I think another thing that we saw last night that impressed me even though unfortunately it came against his former team the Celtics (laughs) uh Al Horford was incredible in the game last night he was doing everything offensively defensively you know he was making the offense click uh passing the ball moving the ball well he defended the Celtics big men well he held down the paint and he moves a little bit better than Joel Embiid and he can still play at that faster speed that the Sixers want to play with uh Embiid out of the lineup um, Norvell Pell came in, and you know, their their two way guy came in and gave them good minutes off the bench. I'm looking right now; he had six points, four rebounds, and three blocks. He was minus one and plus minus, but the impact that he made in 13 minutes was much better than that. He got a standing ovation by the time that Brett yeah. Brown took him out of the game.
0: Which is which is you know, come on, Philly, you can't you can't you can't <laughs> he, be just he, giving away standing. No, no, no.
1: I'll give it to Norvell Pell. He
0: earned that. He earned that standing. A ovation. standing ovation. He came in and changed the a game. A hard for those golf clap would have been fine enough. If, 13 hey, minutes is not worth a standing ovation.
1: If, if I've learned anything about Philly from the one year that I lived there they uh they, they're going to give love to a random guy off the bench that comes in and plays his heart and soul Listen, out
0: for a couple minutes he played less than it takes to cook like a roast in a pot, <laughs> all right let's not give this guy standing ovation like he's some sort of hall of famer
1: all right whether or not he should get a standing ovation he's definitely going to use up uh, a couple of his two-way days now that now that Joel Embiid is out he looked pretty good last night but again Simmons Simmons had a great night last night 19-9-3 he had one steal um. I again. That that box score doesn't exemplify how great he was last night either. Ben I mean, Simmons. he came. Up, Simmons was incredible last was. night uh, on both sides of the ball. He's always bringing it on the defensive end. He came up with a big steal towards the, the back end of the game that sealed everything. Um, Tobias Harris was solid last night. I just think that you're going to start seeing. I need
0: more from Tobias Harris.
1: Last night wasn't his best showing, but again, I think even though it says here that he took more shots than Josh Richardson, watching the game, it did not feel like he took That's, more shots I than Josh Richardson. I need more from
0: Tobias Harris over the next couple of games, especially if Joel Embiid is not going to be there. I mean, we know that Tobias Harris hasn't really found his spot on this team. Uh, we know that he hasn't really found a spot in you know in terms of I think he should be the closer uh, you know, or a part of that mix, whether it's him and Embiid, but I think he should have the ball – to make decisions in the last two minutes of a close game because obviously it can't be Ben Simmons. And now with Embiid gone, I need Tobias Harris to step up into that role and and really to make it his own and try to keep it when Embiid comes back because last night, even in that game, it wasn't going to be close. Uh, You know, the the Celtics uh, had some chances to try and, you know, close the gap in the last two minutes of the game. And and Ben Simmons didn't want anything to do with with even carrying the ball across half court because he knew if he was gonna get, you know if he had the ball he was gonna get fouled and he would have to go to the line to make his free throws. That's where I need to buy Harris to say, all right, if Ben doesn't want to have the ball in his hands, it's my turn. Let me have the rock. I can hit free throws. I can make a big shot. I can make the right decision. I got shooters around me, uh, other than Simmons, of course, on the court. But I need to buy Harris to say to to him, not wait for Brett Brown to put him in that situation. I need him to go ahead and go get it.
1: Right, listen, I, I feel like we're always giving the Sixers a hard time, and it not just us, it just seems like the media in general is always giving the Sixers a hard time. You hear Joel Embiid's out of the lineup, and immediately, immediately you're like, okay, how can Ben Simmons step up? How can Tobias right. Harris step up? And the two players that had the best game were Josh Richardson and Al Horford. Yeah, come on now. That's not to say that Simmons and Harris didn't play well, but I understand what you're saying in, in Tobias Harris' front, that you know he's supposed to be this— prolific scorer in right. a way and that's kind of what they're paying him the big bucks to do they're paying him the big bucks to be a scorer and I agree with you I think over this next stretch I you know I think this is it's a revenge game for Al Horford and I think that there's a reason that he was you know the player that was closing things out down the stretch like you said he was ha- doing a lot of the ball handling he hit the two final shots that really put the Celtics out of it yep. Um. I think that that was a special case for Al Horford but for the rest of the time that Joel Embiid is out I want to see Tobias Harris really step up as that guy and prove that, okay, I can be your closer when you need me to in the playoffs. Because we've already seen that. It doesn't seem that Ben Simmons is going to be that guy because of you know, his inability of, you know he doesn't have a jump shot. And I, I'm not saying that you have to have a jump shot to be the closer, but I'm saying that you need someone that can knock down those big outside shots when it comes down to it. And I want to see Tobias Harris become that guy.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know if Tobias Harris uh, has that in him, realistically. He's played.
1: He's played well this year, but I agree with you that it just seems like there's always something more to be desired that you're never walking away from a Sixers game like, wow, I can't believe, you know, how amazing Tobias Harris was tonight.
0: The Sixers have played 24 clutch games and clutch is obviously defined by, you know, last five minutes of a game within five points. Uh, the Sixers have played 24 of them. Tobias Harris has appeared in 24 of those games. Uh, he's averaging 1.6 points per game and 1.3 shots. In those minutes without Joel Embiid there this needs to be Tobias Harris time he needs to have the ball in his hand he needs to be able to elevate the team in those situations I, I, I need more from Tobias Harris I, do. I agree with you completely I think that this
1: is his time to prove hey this is why you're paying me this is why you brought me back um you know Joel Embiid's not here uh, we're, they were going through a rough stretch before this. I'm going to step up and prove why I got the
0: contract. And did. by the way, Joel Embiid not in the lineup. He's third in clutch scoring in the league right now. So someone's going to have to step up. It's not going to be Ben Simmons. It's going to definitely have to be Tobias Harris. Unless it's Josh Richardson. Well, I mean, yeah, we don't want it to be Josh Richardson, though. I know we don't. D- Josh Richardson is not p- getting paid the money that Tobias Harris is getting paid. Tobias Harris is brought to this team to be that third guy to push him over the top last year before they even got Jimmy Butler. You know, Tobias Harris is supposed to be the third option, and he's a no option right now. He right. needs to start showing up for this team. I want to talk about the team that they play, the Celtics. Um, last night, it showed in the game multiple times that they need a big man. Yeah, I know you say hey, this is your team.
1: They were undersized last night, and that was very evident. It was very evident. On both sides of the ball, it was very evident. But I will say this with this three-game losing streak with the Celtics and what's going on with them right now. And we're going to see this with the Raptors in the next coming weeks. They've had guys in and out of the lineup with random injuries, illnesses. Marcus Smart had the worst case of pink eye in pink eye history, I think. Uh, Kimball Walker had the flu. Uh, you know, guys had random injuries, right. and they're finally starting to get everybody back. And it's going to take everybody was clicking. Jalen Brown was playing the best basketball of his career. Jason Tatum was playing really well. Gordon Hayward was stepping up when he needed to since he came back from that hand injury. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that part of their issue right now. I mean, obviously, size has been the name of the game since, you know, since the offseason when they traded away Aaron Baines and Al Horford left. But I think that right now their biggest issue with this three-game losing streak is just trying to get into the flow of things with everybody back in the lineup. Sure. Um, well, I, I, that doesn't mean that they don't need size. Ennis Cantor and Daniel Tice had a really good stretch before this three-game losing streak, and that's kind of gotten away from them, which, you know, no one really expected Ennis Cantor to keep up the defensive prowess that he had <laughs> over that, like, two right. or three-game stretch. Right. Um, but I think that the three-game losing streak has been more about just trying to get back into the flow of things with everyone in the lineup than it is the need of a big man.
0: I I I, I disagree with you, man. I th- I think they need to go out and get a big man. And here's last night was a game where you know obviously Joel Embiid does not play. Uh, the Sixers are who are normally a big team when they're completely healthy came back down to average size. They're a regular NBA team now. They just have length. Uh, and and the Celtics were able to match up with them size for size for the most part throughout the game, and they got pounded on the glass by ten. Pit, you know the 76 the, the 76ers were able to score fifty points in the paint. Like that's that shouldn't happen. Uh, you know if you're with a team with some size. You know, granted, we know that, uh, like you said, and Cantor is not going to be the greatest defensive player in the league, but he he's a good rebounder. It really hasn't made a difference for this team. The Boston Celtics need to make some sort of move to get a big that is going to not only protect the rim or at least inhibit players from going to the rim, but they need someone that's going to come in and rebound if they're going to play Gordon Hayward at the four, if they're going to play Jason Tatum at the four. And I love Ennis Kenner, but he's not that guy. They're 12th in rebounding in the league right now. Um, you know, Teams like the Portland Trailblazers who don't have their size are a better rebounding team than this team. The New York Knicks are a better rebounding team than this team. The, the, hey, the New York the, Knicks have like the 10 Minnesota, centers on their roster. <laughs> the Minnesota Timberwolves with Carl Towns standing at the three-point line jacking up shots are a better rebounding team than the Boston Celtics. I think that's their flaw. I think that's what's going to hold them back. I think when you get to the playoffs, people are kind of glossing it over right now because it's the regular season, but when you get to the playoffs, possessions matter, and you can't afford to give up you know, plus 10 on the glass to really good teams in a seven game series. I think
1: that they've almost gotten away with their rebound, their lack of a big man rebounding um, so far this season, just because Tatum and Jalen Brown are such good rebounding guards. Same with Marcus Smart. They fight so hard for rebounds that I think it's kind of covered that issue up a little bit so far this season. Right. Um, Last night, that was clearly on display. Uh, Brad Stevens went away with went away from using Grant Williams, who he had been using all season long over Shemi Ojale and decided to put Ojale back in the lineup. He's a little bit bigger, he's a little bit more more athletic, can run a little bit more. Um, I think that that was a strategy matchup. It just didn't really work out. I mean, Shemi Ojale finished the game 20 minutes, zero points, zero rebounds, uh, one assist, and you know that's just not. If you're gonna if you're being plugged into the lineup to do one thing, play defense and rebound, and you come away with 20 minutes with zero rebounds it's just I mean that's not ideal the Sixers are a tough matchup from the get-go we've known that they've beaten Boston three times in a row after Boston's pretty much owned them the past couple seasons Um, I don't think that their issue of needing a big man is ever more glaring than it is when they play Philly and obviously, like you said before, that's one of their rivals. That's one of the teams they're going to have to go through if they're going to get out of the Eastern Conference. So, you know, maybe it is they need a big man. It also could just be that they just have to switch it up and they have to switch up the game plan against Philly to try something else, whether it's. I don't know, maybe moving Gordon Hayward to the bench and going with, you know, an extra... That didn't manner. work. No, don't do that. It, no, that, that doesn't uh, work. We tried no, that last year. <laughs> no, no, no. That was different, though. That was a different, that was a different situation. <laughs> maybe, uh, but seriously, maybe it's just moving Marcus Smart into the starting lineup. Even though you're downsizing, you're right. getting a little more athletic. Marcus Smart's a little bit more uh, more aggressive on the glass. Right. You know, I'm not saying it's a permanent thing. I'm just saying that against, specifically, Philly, a team that's so much bigger than them, one through five, uh, that could be a strategy that could work.
0: I have a, I have a suggestion. What do we got? called Kendra Perkins.
1: I mean, hey, they could call Kendrick. You Perkins. Kendrick Perkins. They could Perkins. Call Kendrick 5. Perkins. Five point eight
0: career rebounds, you know, average. Call, you call Kendrick <laughs> Perkins. He's a, he's he's a good re- rebounder. Defender, yeah, I'm
1: sure. I'm sure. I'm sure that's exactly what he wants to do after <laughs> beefing with Kevin Durant on Twitter is go and get some starting minutes come, for the Celtics. Get, come and
0: get some starting minutes and come right into that division. Be re- right there waiting just, for Kevin Durant <laughs>
1: next season. Just so just so KD can get after him for letting Norvell Pell go for like
0: <laughs> a d- massive double double
1: in six blocks on Perk.
0: I didn't know who Norvell Pell was until last night. I found out about him last night as yeah, well. I had no, I didn't know he existed. Nothing. Uh, the battle for second spot in the Eastern Conference is heating up. Those two teams we just talked about, the Celtics and Sixers, uh, are battling for that second seed right now. The currently the Miami Heat hold it down. They have a one and a half game lead as the time of recording. At the time of recording this, over the Boston Celtics. Um, I don't think anybody's catching the Bucks. Like I think the Bucks, we can say, have locked up the first seed in the Eastern Conference, barring major injury, barring anything crazy. Um, I think they're going to have the first seed in the Eastern Conference. So that second seed is super important because that means that whoever gets it kind of avoids the Bucks until the conference finals. Um, in your opinion right now, Miami, as I said, has it. The Celtics, Raptors, Sixers, and the Pacers have an outside shot uh, at locking down that second seed. Who do you think gets it? Who else do you expect me to say? <laughs> well, well, they're gonna sign Perk. Yeah, maybe they get a chance. No, seriously, without a trade, I, they have no shot at getting a second seed. No, no that's, shot. That's not true. They that's have no. True. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> they without a trade, Listen, they have they, no. The way they rebound, it's it's it's. it's, it's I don't want to say it's embarrassing, but it's it's close to it. I just think that the Heat are awesome, and I love watching
1: the Heat play, and they play hard and you know they have exciting players on offense and they play really really good defense but it's the idea that they're relying so much on harrow and nunn tyler harrow kendrick nunn both rookies uh, as well as duncan robinson who's pretty unestablished in the league even though he's having a good season well wait, I, wait a
0: second wait a second are we expecting these guys to fall off here
1: i'm not expecting them to fall off a cliff but i'm expecting them to drop i, I just think that eventually as Why? the season progresses they're just going to regress the meat i just think they're going to just because they're rookies I just think that eventually, we've already
0: seen it the past couple of weeks, they lost to the Magic and the Wizards back, and back-to-back games. But they're still a team that's right now a game and a half lead on the rest of the pack for the second spot. So yeah, even if they regress back to the means, doesn't that mean that Jimmy Butler steps up?
1: I think that Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo are going to keep playing at the level they're playing at right now for the rest of the season. This right. seems, I mean, they're 17-1 they're and one at home. They're pretty much untouchable in South Beach. Part of that might be because of, you know, the South yeah, Beach I mean, flu. I mean,
2: but, you, know, uh, you
1: know how it goes. Yeah, exactly. But... I just think that eventually we're going to see this team. I think they're more likely to end up playing, be playing in that four or five game. Maybe they're the three seed. I just, my thing right now is that the Raptors are so hurt and it's going to take them a little bit of time to get adjusted once everybody gets back into the lineup. I'm just not sure that I see Toronto jumping up to take, that second seed mm-hmm. uh, I mean they proved me wrong all season so far they proved everybody wrong all season so far so maybe they will but as, as of right now I just I'm not sure that they're gonna end up that high in the standings and as far as Philly like I like Philly and I would I I think Philly has a legitimate shot at that but with him beat out I just don't know if the guys that we've been talking about you know the past 15 10 minutes are capable of stepping up enough to jump Toronto Boston and Miami
0: sure what about the Pacers any shot
1: I like the paces a lot. I think they're going to get better when Oladipo comes back. Obviously, I mean you're getting a better player in the lineup. You would assume they would get better, but that's not always the case. Um, they're playing good team basketball right now. I great, like what great team, great basketball. team basketball. I, I I talked about it the other day on this podcast. I really like what DeMont Sabonis is doing and Malcolm Brogdon is doing. I. I would be the leader of the Demontis Sabonis to the All Star Game fan club. Like you think he deserves it
0: over Malcolm Brogdon? I
1: think he deserves it over Malcolm Brogdon. Why? Because yeah, he's been the best player on the team. Okay. Malcolm Brogdon's been great, and you know he's he's kind of acted as their closer, sort of. But as far as consistency consistency goes, and as far as who makes the biggest impact on each individual game. I truly feel like it's Demonte Sabonis.
0: Sabonis is averaging eighteen and thirteen. He leads the team in both categories: that's points and rebounds, folks. He's doing it all. He's you know he's he's, he's pretty good defensively as well. Like he's he's you know he's not a you know uh, El Matador out there. Um, six players average double figure scoring for the Indiana Pacers. I love that. Absolutely love that. And they're tough at home too. You know, they are tough you know, at home. You know, they're, they're, you're not going in there and and stealing a victory. Quick Pacers story. I went to I went to Indiana uh, a couple times. I've seen the Pacers play um, for some random reason. I don't know why I always decide to go to Indiana. But I was there uh, for a playoff game. The, the the famous Lance Stevenson was on the bench, hadn't been playing uh, You know the whole series, giving LeBron the choke sign game. I was there for the, for that series, saw that game. They blew him out. And then the very next game, LeBron and Dwayne Wade went for historic numbers. I think Wade had 41-9 in that game. LeBron had like 39 and a triple-double. And Chris Bosh was injured, so he didn't show up, uh, obviously on the floor. But uh, you know, and that turned the series around after you know Lance Stevenson threw the choke sign at, at, Le, at LeBron James. I have never in my life in that arena, uh, Banker's Life Height Fieldhouse, I think it's called. Yes, um, used to be Conseco Fieldhouse. I have never in my life seen more peanut shells anywhere than in that arena. But I don't know what it is with pacer fans and peanut shells but or peanuts like who I've never been to a basketball game and went to a concession stand and said let me get that bag of peanuts in the back yeah if i'm not going to fenway park i'm not getting peanuts <laughs> i'm not getting i'm not getting <laughs> peanut shells I, i've you, never heard of that before you couldn't go and i thought i was making peanut butter Anytime <laughs> you stepped you were stepping on peanut shells i've never seen anything like it it was it, uh, yeah that's my only I've, memory from that game
1: i've never been to indiana but it doesn't shock me that they would eat peanut like whole peanut shells a, during at a, a, bas- at a, playoff a basketball, basketball game. Game. Playoff no, no, game
0: playoff game yeah. it wasn't i mean you could not go anywhere without stepping on a peanut shell so it, was, as, it was crazy d- does stepping on peanut shells count as pumping in crowd noise <laughs> it, might, it might. <laughs> I, mean, I mean that maybe i don't know there was enough peanuts on the ground to, to add to the crowd noise like you you could not go anywhere silently you're crunching peanut shells every time you stepped uh so that's my pacer story i think the pacers are going to move up i don't know if they get the second seed um, I like the Heat. I, I, I really like the Heat. I think the Heat are going to hold down the second seed. The real challenge now is who ends up in third, and the Celtics. I, I, unless they get a big, I can't see it happening. Uh, I give the Raptors a real shot um, at, at, at finishing third uh, when they get healthy. You know they, they're they're going to be tough to beat. That's this this bug that they've had. The injury bug has hit them hard, and they've kind of you know weathered the storm for yeah. you know so to speak, and they're going to they're they may not go on any sort of big streak, but you're, you're going to have to beat this team. You're really going to have to beat this team. Nick Nurse has done an incredible job uh, and should be in the conversation for Coach of the Year, in my opinion. The best – he hasn't done his best coaching job yet with this team. The hardest part right now for him is everyone's coming back. Guys have proven, like you know Chris Boucher, uh, Terrence Davis. Those guys have proven – Hall Halls-Jefferson has proven that they deserve to play. I don't know how he's going to play everybody. Yeah. That's, that's the issue.
1: He even I, I saw after his uh, media availability after practice today, as of recording on Friday, the first practice that uh, Pascal, uh, Marcusal and Norman Powell all went through practice in some sort of capacity. Right. They weren't going full speed or anything like that. But everybody is starting to get back into the flow of things. And somebody had asked him about you know the starting lineup and what he's going to do once everybody's back, and he said right. it's pretty much a work in progress. They right. haven't, they haven't gotten that far yet. Um, I think that's going to be a headache for him. He's you know. Th- who would have thought that with this Raptors team after Kawhi left we'd be talking about how there's too much talent to figure out who's <laughs> going to be in the starting lineup and who's not. I don't know
0: I don't know if we could say it's too much talent. I think we just say that Guys have earned the playing time. Like, like, I don't know if there's too much talent.
1: Yeah, too much talent might be a stretch. They, they play hard. <laughs> yeah, too much talent might be a stretch, but they do. They play hard. I mean, any time, I think that's something that's special about Nick Nurse and we, what we've seen from him in a season and a half so far is he finds a way to get the most out of his players. Right. And I respect him because he'll call out his players. He has Big no time. issue with calling out his players. He called out uh, Terrence Davis. I think it was, Ter- who was it? Terrence Davis, yep. Rondé Hollis, Jefferson, Chris Boucher the other day. Uh, about how like their, you know, their energy kind of slacked off a little bit. And next thing you know, I mean, Chris Boucher put together a great game the other night against, uh, against what was it, Brooklyn? Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte. Yep. And Terrence Davis had a massive game against Charlotte. And, you know, he's finding a way to get these guys to step up and play as hard as they can anytime they get an opportunity. And I think that goes a long way into, you know, what we're talking about of how they're going to figure out who's going to go into the starting line. It's because no matter who he calls upon, they're giving it 110% effort. And I'm not sure that every NBA coach could say the same about the players on their roster. Yeah,
0: and a loss against the Portland Trailblazers came down to a Carmelo Anthony buzzer beater or, or game winner, rather. Uh, and Terrence Davis played eight minutes, did not scratch, no points, no nothing. And post game, Nick Nurse basically said that Terrence Davis played five minutes too much in that game, followed that up very next night by giving him his first ever career start, played 37 minutes in that game, gave him 23 points. 11 assists, 10 rebounds, and hit two big threes and in an overtime win over the Charlotte Hornets. That's big time. That's that's coaching. You know, you, you call a guy out, but you don't leave him in the doghouse. The very next day, you say, "All right, I called you out. Now go show me that you can do what you're, you know, what I believe you can do." And Terrence Davis gave him a career high triple double. Uh, sorry, it wasn't a triple-double. It was 11, point, 11 rebounds, 5 assists in that game. It was not a triple-double, but it was a career-high 23 points in the win, and he hit two big threes, like I said, down the stretch in overtime to seal that victory for Toronto in a game that had no business winning uh, in Charlotte. So you're right. You know, Nick Nurse does know how to push the right buttons, uh, and it will be interesting to see what he does now. When he has, When we started this season, it was like, Nick Nurse, how are you going to play? find guys to play? Like, they were playing six guys. Fred VanVleet and, and uh, Kyle Lowry were leading the league in minutes. They're playing close to forty minutes a game, and now it's like, well, Nick, how are you going to play twelve guys? How are you going to play eleven guys? What, what are you going to do here? So it's it's crazy how the league just kind of turns around every uh, a couple months and things have changed. Yeah, I I just want to say I love Terrence Davis, and I think
1: that once playoffs come around, he's going to become NBA Twitter's sweetheart. They're, you think so? Yeah, they're going to fall in love with him. He just okay. he plays so hard. He's so athletic. He you know he takes these jump shots and you're just like that has no shot of going in and all of a sudden it's just like nothing but net he attacks room, he plays hard on defense he just does everything that you need out of an he plays exactly how an undrafted player should play right he plays with a chip on his shoulder he's extremely extremely athletic i remember talking to you about it this summer when they signed him and we did our fast facts on him on nba.com he had like i think it was like 13 division one offers to play college football as a wide receiver this guy's just a crazy athlete and i just think that nba twitter is going to fall in love with him he's going to have a big moment
0: in the my bills and your patriots probably could have used a terrence davis on the field Last weekend We Tom need, Brady we need an extra could, yeah. we need Tom an extra Brady and,
1: and Josh Allen Definitely could have used it, uh, A Terrence Davis
0: I wouldn't mind seeing Terrence weekend. Davis in slime In the uh, dunk contest He can fly uh, now, now that we know Dwight Howard's not going to be a part of it I wouldn't mind seeing Terrence Davis there
1: Yeah he could fly He's and again like Undrafted rookie I think that would be A, a good opportunity for him To just go to All-Star weekend Get that experience And just kind of reward him For the season that he's had So far at the start of the year
0: I don't know what the prize is But I'm pretty sure It's probably like a Tissot watch Or something I feel like They, they sponsor I think, everything I think
1: you get a couple million dollars Don't you? Yeah you get
0: some money But I know whoever's well, let me not let me not say too much i i don't, yeah. I don't know who's the sponsor of the slam podcast <laughs> but i'm sure it's a it's a nice prize package
1: i'm sure whatever he would get is more than what he's making this year <laughs> so that's a fact
0: yeah uh yeah so so that's the uh the wrap there with the Second seed in the Eastern Conference up for grabs right now, like I said. I, I really and truly believe that Miami Heat are going to hold it down. And this is for my guy, Scott Rafferty. I, I just think that the Heat are going to hold it down because of the divisions. I think that they have an easier <laughs> division than any of the other teams vying. Because Like the Raptors, Sixers, and Celtics all have to play each other. The, this, the, the Pacers have to go up against the Bucks on a nightly basis. And, you know, the Heat, you know, the, the second best team in that division is the, is the Orlando Magic. Ooh. Yeah, shaking in their boots.
1: (laughs) You don't think Jimmy Butler's losing sleep over Markel (laughs) Fultz? (laughs) No,
0: I don't think he's worried about Markel Fultz. And I don't think he's worried about the Hornets. Like, Cody Martin? Ooh. He's not worried about Don't respect Devontae Graham like that. Uh, Yeah, borderline all-star Devontae Graham. But I don't think Jimmy Butler's losing sleep over Devontae Graham. Or or TJ Warren. Let's get out of here on that.
1: (laughs) Uh, Speaking of smoke... That was – I couldn't believe
0: that. That was great. For those of you that didn't see it, uh, you know, T.J. Warren and Jimmy Butler went back and forth in an NBA game. And it turned into what you would see at, like, your local YMCA. You know, guys just getting a little too heated within the game. T.J. Warren got the boot. Uh, Jimmy Butler kind of gave him the kiss of goodbye as he he left the game. He got the win. And also – Did he win the post-game press conference by calling him out saying that he he hopes that his coach never puts him on him ever again?
1: (laughs) Yeah, and he posted on Instagram the screenshot of the schedule with the Pacers circled. I I think that that was – I don't really know what it was that set Jimmy Butler off because the actual play that he got fouled on wasn't anything that crazy. He was kind of holding them going off a screen and – for whatever reason, he had an issue with TJ Warren. And I don't think that TJ Warren even really wanted that. And all of a sudden he just landed a $25,000 fine today. So I can't imagine he was too happy when he found that out.
0: Yeah. I I can't wait to see. I I don't think I would have been excited for heat pacers late in middle of the season. Probably not. I am now excited. You are, yeah. I that's I, I want to see Jimmy back up his word. You can't talk that's that great. amount of trash and not give us a fifty burger, Jimmy. You gotta that's, go out and give a fifty burger now. That's
1: the beauty of Jimmy Butler, man. Like that's he just keeps he's one of the guys that we have in the NBA today that make this league so interesting. It's what makes yeah. it the best reality TV show
0: on TV. Yeah. No fifty burger and no no load management. I don't want to hear about load management for that game. He has to play like that, that game and give us a fifty burger. Jimmy Butler showing and get up. The w. he's showing up that game. What is he giving us though?
1: I mean, he gave us like 16 in the game that he got ejected. He was talking <laughs> a lot of trash for someone who fit. I think it was like 14 or 16 points. But again, that's, that's the beauty of Jimmy Butler. That's why we, that's yeah, why we I, love this I, league. I that's why we that. love Jimmy Butler.
0: I can't respect that. I love Jimmy Butler, but you can't talk trash giving 14 points he's, roll, he's, points.
1: he's rolling out in that next game against the Pacers with the four janitors that he had back in Minnesota when he was running yeah. Carl Anthony Towns and those guys off the floor.
0: Yeah, Well, the Pacers will have something for him. Because by that time, Victor Oladipo will be back. And we know what the Black Panther could do when he gets on the court. That's a fact for Kyle Irving. I'm Carlin and gay. Don't go anywhere. We have a special bonus addition to the podcast. Good friends, Mike Adams and Scott Rafferty sit down and break down what Chris Paul has done this season in Oklahoma city. I mean, so many people counted this guy out. Chris Paul is back and better than ever. And the thunder are, are really reaping the benefits of the way he's played so far this season. Should they trade him? Should they keep him? The guys discuss that and more on the other side of the break. Thanks, thanks a lot. I got a broken heart. That's all I got. You made me cry, and I cried a lot. I lost your love, well, honey. Thanks a lot.
2: Thank you for listening to NBA Sound System.
3: What's going on? Welcome into NBA Sound System. I'm Micah Adams, kicking it here with Scott Rafferty. And Scott, we have one player and one player only to talk about today because he's lighting the world on fire. We sure do. Yeah. His name? Chris Paul. It's Chris Paul. He, of course, does it again. We are recording this one day after he scores 20 points in the fourth quarter in overtime on the road in Brooklyn. But Scott, we're not here to talk about one game. This is not about what he did in Brooklyn. It's about the bigger picture because he just keeps doing this over and over and over again. He has been the league's best clutch player. We're gonna we're gonna touch more on that in a minute. Cast out of Houston, he's now averaging sixteen and a half points, six and a half assists, five boards. And perhaps most importantly, at 34 years old, he has not missed a single game yet. Not one. This, on the heels of missing over 50 games in his two years in Houston. So, Scott, I think there's only one place to start. On a scale of 1 to 10, how surprised are you?
2: Probably, probably about an 8. Um, I've been a huge Chris Paul guy for his entire career. He's one of the greatest point guards of all time. Hall of Fame, everything like that. But when you look at how last season went, with the injuries that he had... His numbers were basically down to career lows across the board, whether you look at you know points, shooting percentages, um, efficiency numbers like player efficiency rating. All of those were down. And when you think of a guy at this stage of his career at that age, I mean, they do, players
3: don't usually bounce back from that in the way that he has. Um, so this has been a huge shock to me. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I think he hit the nail on the head. I think eight seems right. Um, back in August, I wrote a piece for NBA.com, kind of just like making the case for why Chris Paul could be in line for a bounce-back season. You know, sometimes when you write those things, you're not, you're not completely buying into every element of it. There are, there are certainly kernels of truth in that, hey, look, if, if you saw the version of Chris Paul in Houston, whenever he played without James Harden, I mean, he produced on a per minute level like he did at his peak, you know, the peak powers when he's a top five MVP guy. Now, asking him to do that over a Nine-minute stretch, you know, in, in games without James Harden over what fifty some games is different than doing it playing thirty-two minutes a night every single game as the league's as his team's number one option. I, I don't think that he or Sam Presti or anyone else in their right minds kind of saw this coming. The interesting thing about him too
2: is that he he changed his game a lot to fit in with James Harden in Houston um, because he he came along as you know the second banana to to Harden and his pick and rolls were way down. He went from being you know a good isolation scorer to being I think third in his first season in pick and in isolation scoring in the league behind James Harden and LeBron. Um, did not shoot as much from mid range as he used to. But like, completely new player. And now he's gone back to being the player that he was before. he was in Houston. Pick and rolls are back up. Isolation numbers down. Operating more from mid range and all that. Um, so I think we're seeing him kind of go back to what he is comfortable doing.
3: Yeah, and it's sort of it, you know, and and I guess maybe that's something that I, I don't want to say no one saw coming, but I think may, maybe people took for granted the degree to which like it, it it took a really big adjustment to play with James Harden. And you know when 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 Houston got him from the Clippers. Uh, you know, everyone kind of pointed at them and said, these guys are going to have to change. They're going to have to adjust. Well, James Harden didn't really change a whole lot. It's Chris Paul. That's the one that completely remade his game. That's a really tough thing to ask for a guy who at the time was one in his in his 11th season, maybe maybe 12th season uh, to, to ask him to completely change how he plays on a night to night basis. Now you, you see him. Just he's just he's like back to his old self. It's like this is like Clippers Chris Paul again. Maybe not quite Clippers Chris Paul, but 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 not far off. So there's one specific component that I want to talk about with with Chris Paul, and it's his ability to close games. As we said, uh, that win on the road in Brooklyn, scores 20 in the fourth quarter and overtime. I'm going to give you a couple stats, and then I want to ask you a a bigger picture question about his ability to close games. So couple things to run through here. In the final five minutes in the game within five, he scored 103 points. It's by far the most in the NBA. Shooting 55%, and he's 24 of 25 from the free throw line. So he leads the league in clutch scoring. The last three guys to do that, James Harden finished second in MVP voting. LeBron finished second in MVP voting. Russell Westbrook won the MVP. He already has more clutch points this season than in any of the last six seasons, and we're not even halfway through the year yet. He's 34 years old. If you go through every single player over the last two decades plus to lead the league in clutch scoring, you have to go all the way back to Michael Jordan in 97-98 to find anyone as old as Chris Paul now, and really there's no one else that even comes close. There's not like this guy was... Well, LeBron was was thirty three when he did it, but outside of LeBron, it's all guys right square in their prime. You just don't see this. This doesn't happen to this degree. So I ask you, Scott, at thirty four years old, Chris Paul, if you are a coach in the NBA, you're down two. There are thirty seconds left. How many guys right now would you rather have the ball with him than Chris Paul?
2: I, I thought you were going to ask me if he's a sneaky MVP candidate. No, he's I thought, not. A sneaky, I thought that's what I was coming. No. At
3: because um, he's not let's not get ahead of ourselves
2: it's tough to come up with a number off the top of my head um, I still think you're taking guys like Harden ahead of him right you're taking Kawhi um, LeBron hasn't been good in the clutch this season I still think you'd probably take him right, right. just because of the, the shots that he can create for himself and things like that um,
3: but I think to the point that you're getting it's not many so I, I, I went through it and I, uh, I, I wrote down a list and I could only come up with six definitive names LeBron, Kawhi, Harden, Luka, Giannis, and Damian Lillard. I think those are the only guys that, no doubt about it, I would rather have the ball in their hands than Chris Paul. The other guy I thought about, maybe Jimmy Butler. I was just about to mention him.
2: Scrolling through this list, um, that's one of the other names that jumped out to me. Um, Kemba's an interesting one. I still think you—I mean, I'd take Chris Paul over him. Um, but some other names, maybe like Lou will, um, he's been pretty close throughout his career, but again, like it's just not a very long list. It's just,
3: Um, it's crazy though, to think that, you know, of all these, you know, at at the start of the season, all these publications and we were no different coming out with her top 50 players, top hundred players, top 30 players. And like Chris Paul is just not a name that was really among the top 20 for most, right? I mean, he's hovering in that mid thirties, maybe he's a top 40 player still. Um, You know, I I don't think that if, if you were to look at that preseason list and then see what the, have the conversation we're just having right now, like these are like the cream of the crop. Like the, the guys I just listed, you know, especially those top six, those are what six of the top nine guys in the league. I mean, it's look, if, if, if Kevin Durant and Steph Curry are healthy, those are probably two more guys, but to me, that's just, that's mind-boggling. I, I'm glad that you said Kemba because I think that there's a stylistic thing with Chris Paul that separates himself from a guy like Kemba or other smallish guards. Chris Paul, I think, might be, he might be the smartest small player I've ever seen in, in terms of his ability to create space, to play physical. Like, I think so many, like, w- one of the issues with Kemba and Charlotte, it happened here in Charlotte uh, for years where Smaller guy, he can't really always get his shot. I mean, first 48, 47 minutes of a game, he can. But, like, really, like, push comes to shove, you know, it's going to be tough for him to get great great looks. Chris Paul gets whatever look he wants, whenever look he wants it. And he's doing it still at 34. It's remarkable. It is incredible.
2: Um, I mean, and it helps that he's, you know, he's a very smart player, but also, you know, he's he's an all-around scorer. He can score off the dribble from three mid-range, um, he's always been like a, a, an interestingly good, like post-up player for someone his size, just cause he's so smart and he knows how to get a shot
3: off. Um, no, I mean, I mean, he's just a remarkable player all around. There's, yeah. there's not much other way to put it. I just, I, I, I think that, uh, he is a remarkable player. And I think, you know, uh, we both had on a scale of one to 10, we're, we're eight and stunned by how great he's been. And that leads me to my next question. So Chris Paul, how good is he? It's a simple question. Will Chris Paul make the all-star team?
2: I mean, at this rate, I think he 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 is right. The the I want to pull up the standings right now. The Thunder are seventh in the West. Um, they've been really good lately, eight and two in the last ten games. They're only two and a half games behind the Mavs uh, as we we're recording this. Um, so I think you know, just the matter of them being a top eight team in the West, that usually is good enough for someone to get an All Star. Um, but the way that he's doing it, I think that. You, you
3: know, you you take him ahead of like Russ, for example, right? Because right. he's also in the All Star mix. So, so
2: I do think Chris Paul is an All
3: Star this year. The, the way the way that I see it currently, I th- I think that there are nine locks in the West. Okay. So you got the five starters are, are going to be Harden, Luca, LeBron, Kawhi, and Anthony Davis. It's yep. the easiest starting five I I can ever remember. Jokic will be there. Yep. Damian Lillard will be there. Paul George is going to be there. And then I think one of Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert is a lock. Like maybe, And they both might make it. At least one of them will be there. That leaves three spots. And then I'm just going to toss out kind of the crew that Chris Paul is hanging with here. It's one of Mitchell or Gobert, whichever the other one isn't the lock. Russell Westbrook, Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns, Brandon Ingram, the Spurs guys, if, if San Antonio is is still hanging around, and uh, his own teammate uh, Shea Gildersh Alexander, I don't think that there are among that group three guys more deserving than Chris Paul.
2: I agree with you, and and the thing with them, like the Spurs are in the playoff picture right now, they're also five games below 500. So I think if you're looking at you know Chris Paul compared to Demar Derozan and the Marcus Aldridge, um, I think he definitely gets the nod. It. I mean, so you said there's three spots left, right? I think there's three. Based, um, base, I
3: mean, that's that's based on my. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also think like like Carl Anthony Towns was a lock, and then he got hurt. He's been he's, injured for a while. Miss
2: now. I do think Chris Paul gets it over Shea games? for what it's worth. I do, I think do too. Shade's been fantastic. Um, and I think he's kind of he's establishing himself as the player that we we thought he had the potential to be, and he's trending in the right direction, and he could definitely be an all star someday. I just think like Chris Paul is the leader of this team, and what he's been doing in the clutch. Shade's been incredible in the clutch as well in the clutch specifically he has um he's I think he's top five in clutch scoring um but Chris Paul has just been a little bit better than him in that regard um so I'd take him over Shea so I I do I do think um and I already said I I, I take him ahead of Russ um which is funny because you know like like Russ what we were saying before about how Chris Paul changed his game so much to play next to Harden Russ is going through those
3: exact same things right now. I want you to, I want you to save save what you have on Westbrook because we're going to get to him in a minute. How do you compare someone like Chris Paul, who's a you know sixteen and six, his stats don't jump off the page the way that Devin Booker or Brandon Ingram, who are the two guys that I look at as like high volume, incredibly statistically proficient, prolific guys, yet for teams that just aren't quite where. Oklahoma City is.
2: Yeah, I, I think the clutch stuff is is huge in that, right? Um, because even though Chris Paul's numbers might not pop in the same way, he is doing something that is contributing to wins for the Thunder and has them exceeding expectations. Whereas you know the Suns and the Pelicans right now, they're, they're in the playoff picture just because the the, the bottom of the West um, is less competitive than I think we thought it would be going into the season. Um, but again, like the Thunder, twenty one and sixteen as as recording. A few games out of the Mavs and the Jazz and all that. Like this isn't just a team that's looking like they're gonna sneak into the playoffs. Like they could, they could le- legitimately fight for home court advantage. I don't think they're gonna do that. Um, but with Chris Paul running that team in the way he has, I think he gets it over those guys.
3: I, I agree. And, and look, the coaches are the ones that decide as well. Right. And I mean, if the, if there's anybody historically that will always defer to the veteran guys. I mean, it's coaches. It's, it's coaches giving it to the veteran on a better team, even if he's averaging 10 or 11 fewer points per game. Okay. I mentioned that we're going to get to Westbrook. That time to talk about Russell Westbrook is right now. Scott, if you were to give truth serum to both Daryl Morey and James Harden, because let's not get it twisted. Like James Harden played a role one way or the other. Like James Harden signed off on that trade some way or not some way shape or form right mm. if you were to give truth serum to both maury and harden do you think that they regret trading chris paul for russell westbrook
2: it's a really tough question because i think chris paul is having the better season and i think if you put him next to Harden, they would be a scary this version of chris paul next to harden or even just you know a healthy chris paul next to him i think they are they have a high ceiling they're a better team but I also think the the Rockets made the trade for Russ, banking on him being healthy for the playoffs and kind of giving them the edge that they were missing, right? Um, so that's why I think it's a tough question because even though Chris Paul has been the better player, I still think um, they didn't necessarily make that trade for basketball reasons like on-court reasons if that makes sense because i think everyone knew from the start that russ wasn't an ideal fit with Harden, just because the way he plays he's not a good shooter um he's having a terrible season shooting the ball um he turns the ball over a ton like that's not what you want in the second option next to harden um but i just i i think there were just different reasons why they did it whether it's you know his relationship with harden and whether or not chris paul and harden butted heads um
3: there's been a lot of stuff out there um so yeah yeah i i was hoping i mean <laughs> I, I was hoping that you were going to say, yeah, of course, of course they regret it. That's ridiculous. Chris Paul's been a lot better. You know, we, we, both I, we, we keep coming back on a scale of 1 to 10. Both of us are an 8. Daryl Moore is probably like a 17, right? Because if they knew that this was the version of Chris Paul, like there's no, there's just no way that they're trading him. Now, that said, a lot of the blame for that is on James Harden and is on the Rockets because they never empowered Chris Paul to play like this version of Chris Paul. Chris Paul wasn't out there running like 15, 25, like high pick and rolls with Clint, Clint Capella orchestrating, doing his thing, right? Like, as you were saying, he was the one that made all the playing style sacrifices right? To, to play off of James Harden. And, like, yeah, maybe it's ludicrous to take the ball out of the most efficient scorer in the NBA's hands, but maybe you do that to help yourself in the long run. I don't think that they regret doing it. Um, I, I don't think anyone could have foreseen him not missing any time and look like knock on wood, like there's, that could still happen, it could. right? It could. Um, so, you know, we, we certainly are, are not going to predict that we don't wish it, uh, but it, it's a long grind. It's 82 games. And then, you know, for what Houston wants to do, it's another 20 asking Chris Paul to play a hundred games is, is asking, uh, quite frankly, just awfully a lot
2: and again going back to kind of what i said i think that they, they did make that trade i mean ross has been a very healthy player for most of his career i think the rockets probably got a little tired or frustrated with seeing chris paul get injured in the playoffs um another thing is it's not i like that team was very successful those I were agree. two successful years in houston chris paul was great next to harden like it it didn't necessarily work out the way they expected it to because they didn't win a championship. Um, but it, it was, I mean, it worked out as well as they, I, almost as well I as would they actually, expected.
3: I would actually push back on that. I actually think it worked out how, I think it worked out how they thought it would. Like they, to, I, I think playing the results is a little bit too convenient without looking at it in, in, within the context in which it happened. Like that team missed 27 straight threes yeah, that's right. against Golden State. Like they make two of those, they probably win the NBA title. And Chris Paul still there. Like they could have beaten them. They were right there, yeah. Each of the last two years, right? Like I, I think maybe last year is significantly more frustrating uh, than 2018. But I don't know that. But, but they didn't get it done, and they traded Chris Paul, and now they have Russell Westbrook, and Chris Paul might make the All Star team over Russell Westbrook, which, which is crazy. Of course, uh, Oklahoma City. Um, I mean, we've we've talked about how Shea's been great. Uh Dennis Schroeder has been phenomenal. Their their little three guard looks. Gallo's great. Steven Adams out there doing Steven Adams thing. Last year, everyone kind of fell in love with the Sacramento Kings, right? They were kind of like the league pass, darling, the team everybody loved to watch. I don't I'm kind of getting that same vibe with this OKC team. So my question, are the Thunder the league pass team of the year? Right now, um, They're definitely up there. And I think it
2: helps that going back to this whole clutch thing with Chris Paul, it helps that so many of the games are close. They played the most clutch games in the league. They played 28. The next most is 24. Um, Three teams have done that. The Bulls, the 76ers, and the Kings. But when you think of like entertaining teams that you want to watch night in, night out, it's the ones that are close down the stretch. Guys make trading big shots, guys stepping up, um, and that's been Chris Paul and Shea. So I think for that reason, and, and they've just been a fun team, quite frankly. Like Chris Paul, when he's playing, is one of the most fun players to me to watch. Shea, yeah. Shea is incredible. Um, he's such a unique player, the way that he plays. He's kind of old school with the Eurosteps. I think um, he,
3: he's, he is going to have the career, I think, that we thought Sean Livingston would have had had his knee not just completely yeah, that's been shredded. Like I, I think we're seeing basically what Sean Livingston 15 years ago is like probably going to turn into. Yeah, that's interesting. Um,
2: Steven Adams has always been a fun player. Um, just plays Splash really. Flash brother Steve, my guy.
3: <laughs> Wait, we need to talk about that. No, we don't need. To no, no, no. That. We need. Okay, we'll save it for another time. Um, so the the other teams so yes, that I, the, I the other teams that I have in the mix here, um, I think Dallas just because of Luca yep. is I. they're he alone, he's incredible. Is kind of can't miss. Yep. I think the Raptors. I think their story. I think part of what makes Oklahoma City such a compelling team is not just yes. There's a ton of close games they they have now won 11 games this season which they've trailed entering the fourth quarter no other team has more than six of them that's crazy Um, but I think beyond just the they play a lot of close games they're making shots at the end they got some fun guys I think like just the narrative is fun like you even saw like uh, after that game in Brooklyn Dennis Scott's interviewing Chris Paul and he's asking him like hey like his little flashback like turn back the clock night and Chris Paul kind of looked at him like Flashback to what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, I've been here the whole time. The fact that he has this like chip on his shoulder, yeah. everyone thought OKC was done after losing Westbrook and or, or Westbrook and Paul George, and that after after losing Kevin Durant, like so much of the narrative about Oklahoma City also ties in with the, the kind of the style with which they play.
2: I mean, this whole season seemed like it was going to be, can they move Chris Paul and what do they get in return? Right. Like that's all anyone was talking about really with the Thunder coming to the season. Yeah. Um. So the fact that they are where they are is just, it's 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 surprising. Yeah. Uh,
3: other two I had just real quick, I, I think that the Pacers are, are a really fun team. And, and I think Toronto with the Raptors and contending without Kawhi and-
2: I'd put the Nuggets up there too, just because
3: I love Jokic. Are they too good to count as a league pass team? No, I don't think so. Okay. That's I don't think fair. so all right, that's fair. all right you you mentioned it, so we're just we're just gonna get right into it. um look the the elephant in the room, kind of the whole season has been like they're gonna trade Chris Paul or they're gonna try to trade Chris Paul. um his stock I honestly I don't know if his stock will ever be higher. this is the the maybe not on a per game level because his numbers are actually a little bit down, but i i I'm not sure that we're gonna see a better version of Chris Paul than the one right now. And the biggest stat again, is that zero, which right. is, which is the game's missed. It's worth pointing out. He was making 38 and this season on the hook for 41 next year and a player option for 44 million the year after that. So as great as he's playing, that's still a lot of money. Um, is. but is Chris Paul playing too well for them to trade him or should, should the thunder trade Chris Paul?
2: I mean, I definitely think they should be open to trading him and be open to hearing t- fielding offers from other teams, basically, right? Because if they do get a good enough offer, they should absolutely take it. Just because, I to your point, this is the highest his trade value is going to be. Um, and I think the Thunder, one way or another, are going to have a rebuild at some point. Whether or not that's tear everything down and stop in the bottom, it doesn't look like that just because they have so many good draft picks. They have Shea already. Um, I think they have a high enough baseline to kind of be a competitive team. But at some point... They probably
3: do want to get a return on someone like that from Chris Paul. So who who makes the most sense? If you're gonna you're Sam Presty, who are you? Either speed dialing or who are you? you look down at your caller ID and you say, oh that's that's interesting. Like who who makes the most sense for you?
2: There the, there are four destinations. That, I kind of I'm looking at this on a different angle from like where I'd want to see Chris Paul go. Right. Okay. And I do think that there is. Um, well, we, we'll get into it. So there's four teams for me. One is the Bucks. One is the Heat one is the 76ers and then one is the nuggets.
3: Oh, the I haven't heard the nuggets one. So,
2: first of all, first things first, the Bucks and the Sixers probably aren't an option. Um just cuz the Bucks would have such a hard time matching salaries. Yeah. Bucks are really
3: Bucks are a hard trade team to, yeah. w- for anyone. Yeah.
2: Right? Sixers probably aren't an option until the offseason when Ben Simmons's contract goes way up from that extension that he signed cuz again, like, they, they can trade Holford for Chris Paul, basically build something around that. I don't know what the benefit of that is for the Thunder. Um, but I do like those those two teams. The Heat are interesting because, you know, they, they could probably do with another piece around Jimmy Butler, another creator, and things like that. And the Heat can offer, you know, something along the lines of Drajic, which is an expiring contract. So they got off that money. Um, Another player like uh, James Johnson, who's expiring after next season, I believe it is, and then maybe Justice Winslow. So you get a young player on the wings that you can kind of build with Shea um, towards being competitive, but rebuilding at the same time. The Nuggets are kind of in the same deal where they can cobble together enough players to match Chris Paul's salary, whether it's something
3: like Gary, ha- Gary Harris or um, Mason Plumlee. Do you think Chris Paul and Jamal Murray can play together? Or do you think, do you think Jamal Murray would go?
2: a good question i i didn't think about it from the perspective of them trading jamal murray to be honest i, I think denver would probably want to keep him and build around chris paul jamal murray and Jokic. um michael I, porter jr sure sure wow well, actually that's that's an that's interesting that, thing that's, prob- no, but no, that's probably the, that's probably though, that's, the piece that would go to that's to the OKC, guy that right? okc would, would it probably demand, be, right? it'd probably be something like chris paul for gary harris mason Plumley, and then michael porter jr that's interesting um, I didn't
3: thought about Denver at all.
2: But- I really like Denver as a destination because I do think that Jamal Murray, he, he is their point guard, but I, I think he can play shooting guard. He he's probably better I think he's better suited to be someone who you just give him the yeah. the freedom to score rather than trying to mold him into a point guard yeah. or anything like that. So Chris Paul allows him to play that role more. The interesting thing is that Denver obviously runs their entire offense through Jokic. He's the best passing center of all time, in my opinion. Um so if you add Chris Paul, you're taking possessions away from there and there could be an adjustment period but I do think like that that, that's probably my favorite destination. Um, Realistic destination for this season for Chris Paul, just because I think of the level that he can get them to.
3: One one of the reasons that I did not like that Bradley Beal signed his extension when he did is I really wanted Denver to trade for Bradley Beal. Because I think Denver is the one team out there that like they have the assets, they have the money, they're good enough right now. And they have such an obvious need for a playmaking, give the ball to that dude and let him create stuff. That like they're a big piece away, like they can go big game hunting and be right there in the title conversation. Is Chris Paul do you think good enough to put them over the top? Like is is, like, is Chris he, Paul like a big enough swing for, for them to give up Michael Porter Jr. or Jamal Murray or? I mean, I think he gets them be. close
2: to contending now rather than down the line, right? Like I think, I think, but closer is different. different than. Here's like, the thing. So the, the I don't, I still don't know if that I still don't think that better than the Lakers and Clippers. But I do think they're a better team and they're better suited to make a deep run in the playoffs. And you're at that point, you're kind of banking on, like, let's say AD suffers an injury in the playoffs or one of Kawhalen and Paul George. Then that opens up for a team like Denver. And based on the way that the Clippers have been playing lately, it's entirely possible that the, the Nuggets make it to the Western Conference Finals, and I only have to play one of those teams, not both of them. Um, So I think if you can, if they do think that they are close to competing this season by making a trade for Chris Paul, I do think there is a path towards them making the finals in that that kind of situation. So
3: I I am typically on, I want everyone to get traded because I think it's way more, (laughs) I think the league, I, I want like just chaos, fantasy basketball, guys trading teams. I think it's so fun to just like, oh, like it would be really interesting if Chris Paul played next to Giannis or like, could you imagine Chris Paul next to Jimmy Butler, mind me like I think that stuff is fascinating, however, the way that the season has gone for Oklahoma City, I hope they don't trade' him. i I think everyone has just assumed that they're gonna be sellers and that Sam Presti is going to keep getting just more assets and just more stuff right? They got a absolute war chest uh for Paul George, and then they they got more in the in the Russell Westbrook trade. I want them. Not only do I hope that they keep him, I hope that they actually flip some of those picks and assets. I, I want them to go get someone else. Cuz I think this is a really up. fun team because because I think that like there comes a point in time where and we've seen that we've seen versions of this happen where like you have too many young assets and like you can't play them all, you can't develop them all, you can't pay them all. You get into this weird thing where you end up having to pay guys before you're really sure if you want to pay them or not. Like the, this, the whole thing in Chicago famously uh, could have, were, were always in the mix for like Kevin Garnett and Kobe Bryant, but they didn't want to part with the the picks that became Joe Kim Noah and Ben Gordon and Luol Dang and Derrick Rose. And they had all these young guys and they were a really good team, um, but they never went and got, I mean, Derrick Rose eventually fell into them and, but I, I, I do worry that there's only so many, like, hey, we have the 11th pick in the draft. Like, how many of those do you need? How many right. of those, at some point, you got to go get guys. And if you think that, like, Shay is going to be your big star, I think that in a way, proving that, hey, we want to win, we're going to spend to win, we will do whatever it takes to remain competitive. It's one of the reasons that I. I loved when Sam Presti went and traded for Paul George with no assurance that he would resign after they lost Kevin Durant. It was a sign to their fan base. It was a sign to the rest of the league. Like, we want to win. We're not in this thing to play for five years from now. We don't care how good Golden State looks. We want to win. So I want them to keep him. I want them to go make a move. And I, and I got a couple of ideas for you. Okay. So they have uh, Andre Robertson's expiring deal. Yep. He's making just under about $11 million. I have three names circled as, as potential targets for you.
2: I, I've come up with some targets as well, so I'm interested okay, to see if gonna, we have well, we'll, the same ones. We'll you, ping, you tell me yours first. We'll ping so. pong
3: back and forth. Okay. I'm going to start with an obvious one, that this guy's name gets floated out everywhere. Mm-hmm. He's a lame duck, and everyone just assumes he's going to one of these big teams. What if this is the Andre Iguodala team? I thought about him as well. Right? That's yeah. They need a wing, right? Like, they... This team has the three guards. They got Gallo, popping off, playing, playing four. Steven Adams, they're set. They really, really need to upgrade at sort of like that Terrence Ferguson, mm-hmm. uh, Diallo spot, right? I mean, it's really
2: the only position that they they need an upgrade, right? Like you've right. Got, you got the point guard, shooting guard, power forward and center pretty much set. You got your six-man and Dennis Schroeder. Um, so I think you're right. That, that, that small forward position, filling
3: out that starting five, is the, the one place that they need an upgrade. Right, and I mean, if they were to give up, I mean, like, like I said, one of those Pick army of picks that they have, they can get to it. all is making 17 million, which is actually one of the reasons that like the Lakers might not be able to trade for him, right? It's, like, it's not easy for the Thunder to
2: get up there, though.
3: They can, I got there with uh, let me pull up the trade machine again. I got there
2: because again, you have Robeson is the big piece there, he's making just under 11 million dollars. Um, but ahead of him is Chris Paul, Steven Adams, gallinari and Schroeder. You, you might not be trading any of those guys. And then after that, you probably have to couple couple together what, a couple of other players
3: like Terrence Ferguson, yeah. and Diallo. You get you get there though, yeah, you get there. All right, who do you, who do you have? Um, sticking with the same team, I had Jay Crowder. Uh, Iguodala was
2: one guy that I I, I thought of for them. Um, I also think Jay Crowder is interesting. Can, gives him a similar. He's not obviously the playmaker with the ball in his hands that Iguodala is, um, but you know, he's, he's a volume three point shooter. He's a tough guy. He can play defense. He's versatile on that end of the court, um, and it's much easier. Basically, something like Robeson straight up for Jay Crowder works. Obviously, that's not the trade that the Grizzlies are doing for him. They probably want something like, I don't know, maybe a draft pick, yeah. some form of that, which. The thunder. They have, have plenty they have of more than anyone. Right? Um, so I think you know Jay Crowder is someone who is probably easier to get than Igudala, and I think he fits in well. Maybe he's not quite the player that Igudala is, but I do think he still fits.
3: A better a better player than than Iguodala. and Crowder that I think makes perfect sense. But I'm not I'm not so sure why the other team would do it. I think that this could be a good Robert Covington spot too. And he was my third player, so yeah, because he's got it's he's you know he's got two years beyond this. I think maybe Minnesota might fancy themselves as too good to necessarily give away Covington for an expiring and like a future first round pick. They might say like, why, why do we want to do that? That's just going to like, why would we do that to Carl Anthony towns? Um, I just, I just, it, it was more so looking at the player, the whole, the size of salaries, uh, and just thinking that that was a player that made sense. Thaddeus young was, was the other guy on, on Chicago that, that I had and and they like him, but that's a team that I mean, come on. Dude. Yeah. If you give them, you dangle a future first-round pick over that team, they're gonna take it.
2: I also, I also thought of Davis Batons for them. Ooh. Uh, Though.
3: Bertans and Gallo popping off. It, it game, would huh? be
2: interesting, right? Putting like a volume three-point shooter next to to those guys on the wings. Um, I kind of think that the Wizards are either extending him or trading. They they probably can get a better trade package yeah. for him if they do make him available, um, but he's another name that that I thought okay, of. Okay,
3: so final answer, push comes to shove. One-word answer, do the Thunder trade Chris Paul? Ooh.
2: I'm st- I'm still going to go yes. I think you sell high on him.
3: All right, we're going to disagree finally. 30 <laughs> minutes and we disagree. They're going to keep him. They're going to be buyers. They're going to make the playoffs, and they're going to make life very interesting for someone in the wild, wild west. That'll do it for us today. Chris Paul, if you have not been tuning into the Oklahoma City Thunder, pony up for League Pass. Go watch them. They are exciting. My League Pass Team of the Year, pound for pound. Chris Paul, one of the best stories in the entire league. For Scott Rafferty, I'm Micah Adams. We'll catch you next time right here on NBA Sounds.